Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast. I am Chad Millman from the Action Network. Have you ever tried to win $1 million? I have done it many, many times. I have tried for several years in various NFL season-long pick'em contests. Last year, professional better Simon Hunter joined the pod every week during the NFL season. He offered pick'em contest advice, and I came closer than I ever have to cashing. That is totally true. I finished like a game and a half out of winning something. So this year we are taking it a step further. DraftKings offers the Pro Football Pick'em National Championship for people in New Jersey. Simon is in New Jersey. Every week we are going to decide what picks he should put in along the way, as he did last year. He is going to offer top-notch insight into how professional bettors break down games, what they look for, etc. But you also This is what Simon's so good at. Get lessons in game theory and strategies to outwit all of the opponents. And and he'll be coming in in just a minute. And a reminder, a reminder, we've been doing phrase that pays giveaways all season long, all off-season long. Now football is back. We're not going to stop. Go review the podcast using the phrase Simon says. If we like it and we randomly choose it, you will win a free Action Network hoodie. We will announce last week's winner at the end of the show. We will announce all winners at the end of the shows. But first, this is almost making me cry. Horribly sad news. We have reached the end of an era. Bob Scucci, bookmaker of the world, my friend of more than 20 years, the man who may or may not have written the odds, my co-host on the pod for the past several years, is retiring from the podcast business. Scooch! What's up, Chad? Say it ain't so, brother. Say it ain't so. No, I wish I could, but it is so. This will have to be my last podcast. I don't even know what to say. Like the number of people who have been tweeting at me saying, when is Scooch coming on the podcast? You and I have been friends for 20 years. We've been doing this for more than 20 years. We've been doing this podcast for like six or seven years. The number of things that have happened, like the Scooch pod, the like scooch can set a line on the equator scoot the scoodles hashtag scoochisms hashtag scoochisms there's one story that stands out for me during your time on the podcast but i need to know what your favorite memory is i've I've got a few of them when jen and i got married and uh, some of the uh some of the outpouring of uh kind of emotion and support of, of the letters and gifts uh, that was pretty impressive. I, I, I really uh, found that uh, kind of touching and moving. And, you know, all the years that I resisted doing the, the podcast in the, in the first place, uh, that kind of made it all worthwhile to me doing. So uh, there, was a, there was a few of them during that time period. I feel like before you got married, I may have been the longest relationship you've ever had outside, <laughs> uh, outside of your family. Obviously, I have commitment issues. Yeah. Clearly. I, I think for me, and we should, we, should, we should let people know why you're retiring from the podcast. It's not because like you're leaving Boyd Gaming. Uh, it's, it's because you've been elevated into such a exalted status beyond being bookmaker to the world uh, that you can't what anymore? 
Yeah, I mean, I can't book the games anymore. I mean, there's simply not enough time. I mean, that that to me was always the funnest part of the job, and and for for 30 years, uh, it still remains kind of like the most intriguing and exciting part. But uh, with the expansion of uh, sports betting across the country and Boyd Gaming's footprint, uh, you know, across uh, 10 different states and 29 different properties. Uh, my my time is stretched pretty thin, uh, opening up uh, new sports books and uh, uh, working with our strategic partners across the country. I mean, I just simply don't have time to be going through the games and to be uh, watching all the games in order to be making any kind of odds adjustments or anything like that. I mean, it just there's not there's not enough hours in the day. I like the new role, uh, but I miss the most of the. the the most fun part of the job, which was actually booking the games. And, you know, I, I really couldn't kind of come on a podcast and talk about moving any of the lines if I'm not really, not really doing it anymore. By the way, you might be the only credible person in podcasting who's decided they need to know what they're talking about in <laughs> order to go on a podcast. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. I am thinking back to the time where you had an insurance issue and you called someone in customer service. Do you remember this story? I do. Yeah. I, it was a, it was a work related uh, insurance having to do with my uh, insurance w- with, with void gaming. And I, and I remember calling uh, a customer service in Michigan trying to describe what the situation I was in. And the person on the other line uh, was like, is this, the Bob Scucci that does the podcast <laughs> and we ended up talking about uh, talking about the podcast <laughs> just some random person on, on the other end and I get that all the time I you know I went to a local golf course out here and I just walked on the golf course had some free time and uh, I was just a single uh, so I wasn't part of a foursome or anything and he said what's the name and I said I said Bob Scucci and he got like real quiet uh, I said, is that, a, is that a problem? He's like, do you do a podcast with Chad Millman? I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. We ended up talking for, you know, 15 minutes before I got on the course. What about the time you got into the limo? <laughs> no, no, you didn't get into the limo. Big Tony got in the limo. My, my boss got, got in the limo. And he's in the limo. He, he's, he's in, I think, Arizona, uh, coming from the Phoenix airport. And they got to talking and he said, uh, you know, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a casino executive. And uh, what company? And he said, Boyd Gaming. And he goes, do you know Bob Scucci? <laughs> he's like, I'd say I know him. He works for me. <laughs> Some fun stuff. I mean, the, the, across the country, I, I can't believe how many people uh, really uh, – uh, you know, tuned in and really, really enjoyed the podcast. And how many people that actually came to the Orleans, you know, when my office was was mainly over there and came in just to, you know, just to talk with me and brought in the book. And I see the, I see the odds right across your, your shoulder there, right behind your head. <laughs> you know, they would bring in copies of the book and I, and I'd sign those. I mean, it was really great. The guys, the guys in the Orleans used to give me a hard time. They said, maybe we should get a big cardboard cutout of you, you know, like just like this and people can <laughs> take, take photos. But no, it was really, it was really touching. It was great. It only took me uh, almost three years at the Action Network of working from my house and six months of a pandemic <laughs> to completely redo my office and create a brand new studio space 
that is conducive for both podcasting and recording video at the same time. And somehow I decided to do it and highlight the book that we did together that came out in 2001, March of 2001, right when you decide to leave me. Chad Millman wrote a book. <laughs> Timing's impeccable, as always. <laughs> the, the impact you've had just on, like, this show is insane. Matt Mitchell, who's the producer, you may remember when you and I were doing the podcast at ESPN and we would do the You Bet Your Life segment, Matt Mitchell, who was working in sales and had a six-week-old baby and was married, decided to ditch his job as a 30-something guy in sales with a new family to go study audio storytelling at Syracuse. He has a master's degree because he loved the podcast and he loved listening to you. And then he came on You Bet Your Life to tell us the story. And you were like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> Matt Mitchell now runs this podcast. That's a, that is amazing. And I said, and, and it was crazy and now it's amazing. So uh, I still feel same, same sentiments. Scooch, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. We've been working together, like working on gambling stuff together. Yeah. Seriously? Since yeah. 1999. Wow, did that go by quick? <laughs> 21 years. Honest to God, not only am I at the Action Network because of the odds, and not only did the odds work because like, you were so good at translating what happens in the world of gambling to me in a way that felt colorful and impactful, but then, I don't know if you remember this, in 2008, I did a column for ESPN.com. Like I saw a wacky line for the Giants and Eagles. I'm like, that's weird. I called you up. You explained to me why the line was so wacky. I did a column. That turned into a weekly column, which turned into a daily column, which turned into a podcast, which turned into stuff on E60, which turned into hits on SportsCenter, which turned into me being the face of gambling at ESPN, which turned yeah. into me launching the gambling coverage and hiring yeah. people to do it and then going to action network. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, you know, you, you don't give yourself enough credit, but all those years when sports betting was relegated to Las Vegas and Nevada and some kind of offshore places, all those years, you and the mainstream sports media uh, were kind of the voice of uh, sports betting. Um, and in some cases it was kind of, still kind of a pariah. I mean, it wasn't fully accepted in all circles. Uh, and now 20 years later, it's, uh, you know, it, it's booming all over the country. It's, uh, you know, out in the open, socially accepted. And uh, I think you paved a lot of that way. And, you know, kind of any shows moving forward are, are kind of just kind of uh, imitations of things that you've done over the, over the years. Scooch, 21 years later, uh, I've paved the way so much that I am working off of a cardboard box with <laughs> props that I hung myself in the corner of my office. <laughs> Yet you, you have gone on to such big things, you can't even do this podcast anymore. Look, it's not going to be the same without you. Listeners will be disappointed. No pressure on Simon Hunter. Obviously, I love you and adore you. We will stay in touch. Absolutely. And I will share whatever tidbits you give me, even if you don't know anything, I will continue to share them on the podcast. Sounds great, man. Hate going out, but uh, I guess, you know, the time, the time has come and uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And if, if you want to have me on the show at some point, just to talk about something else, then, you know, maybe that'll happen. I think it makes perfectly good sense for you as probably the best bookmaker translating gambling information in the country to go out right as sports betting in the media is becoming as popular as it is. That is the exact kind of timing you want, Scooch. Perfect. <laughs> the end of an era. All right, brother. All right. Talk to you later. Take care. Coming up next, Simon Hunter with professional better breakdowns for every game on the sked, five of which will become his entries into the DraftKings Pro Football Pick'em National Championship. Reminder, review the podcast using the phrase Simon Says, and if we like it and randomly choose it, you will win a free Action Network hoodie. Here we go. And now, a word from a wise guy with Simon Hunter. Simon, dude, you got a lot of responsibility now, brother. A lot of responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Chad, you're letting a crazy man drive this car. Hopefully I don't crash it. I have never been more nervous. We are basically replacing Scooch with you. Scooch has decided to step aside, and you fell into our lives last year. And who knew that a year later, like, you're going to be like the new husband on Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to miss Scooch. I love the insight of hearing from a bookmaker, but hopefully I can bring in another side of the spread and my viewpoints on different games. So we'll see. We'll see how this season treats us with COVID going on. Well, listen, you were ridiculously good last year, and it got better during the offseason as you sort of started to really relay like very specific insights and very specific ways in which you look at games like to me one of the highlights from this offseason was when you were talking about how you rate teams for home field advantage and not just teams like the Chiefs or teams like the Eagles or the Browns losing points for home field advantage but teams like the Redskins and the Dolphins gaining for home field advantage just remind people like that's the kind of insight you're going to be getting remind people how you thought about that as a better like I talked with our lovely producer, Matt Mitchell. It's been funny putting into my system the no fans because some teams are already saying they're going to have fans. Like the Cowboys, Jerry World, he's going to have fans the whole time. The different teams, when I put in the different algorithm of what it's going to be like with fans and what the point spread should be depending on fans. Like we talked before, teams that produced well in the second halves so and were able to come back down big spreads or able to keep big leads when they're at home. It was interesting, the teams I did cover, like Cleveland, like a random team, people really didn't think Cleveland was good. But more often than not, even the last 25 years, they've covered at home a lot of games they should. I mean, the Browns have been bad. So just this upcoming week, the books kind of changed all these lines because they're updating. It's official now. A lot of these teams don't have fans. And a lot of these sharps hit these numbers that these books are kind of acting like some of these teams are going to have fans. So you saw like the Steelers, they jumped up three points. They're up to six, six and a half now. There's been a lot of movement with the no fans coming in. And this is going to have a massive impact on like the decisions we make every week. We're trying to find five games, win a freak load of money. And a lot of this stuff is going to either make us think differently about games than we otherwise would have thought of. And imagine how much more complicated it's going to get when we get into the season and injuries are piling up or we're seeing how certain teams are playing or we're seeing trends that are being established. We should look at week one, the Chiefs at home against the Texans. They're nine-point favorites on DraftKings right now. They were 10. The number has dropped. How are you accounting for home field? There's a Super Bowl sort of legacy now to protect. Patrick Mahomes, the richest player in football, 
Deshaun Watson signing a massive contract, marquee matchup. How are we grading this thing? Like to me, this is not a game that I would want to bet. We talk all the time. Key number is everything in this game. People don't get that, but when you when you do gambling long term, these numbers come into play a lot, especially key numbers. And it opened ten and a half, and it sat at ten and a half for months. And a lot of a lot of sharps are hitting it, but they limit you to a thousand during the off season. And as soon as they opened up the betting these last two weeks, it's just dro- dropped all the way down to nine now. So the value on that number is gone. And the Chiefs week one, I mean, you can people make the joke. It's technically after a bye week for Andy Reid, right? Because they didn't have a game the week before, and all he does is cover and win after bye weeks. So it's one of those where if, if you hit the number early, you got the 10 and a half to 10, that's a good number. Other than that, you should stay away. Just play the over and enjoy the first game of the year because that's what I like. I like the over. You do like the over in this game. The total in this game is sitting at what? It's been jumping up and down a little bit. It opened up at 54 and it went down because Sharps hit it down like the under because that's going to be the play. If you're betting big money like these, a lot of these guys are, they're going to be hitting the under and they're going to take the dog just because this whole week is going to be all these lines are based off last year. That's why – Week one, a lot of guys joke, there's a lot of good value here. But the problem is you stare at these lines for five months. So you kind of scare yourself out of these different teams. Right. Week one screws everybody up. But yeah. I love that, that right out of the gate, it's a Thursday night, and we get to root for a lot of freaking points. And, and that's why like, I, I think the offense is going to have a step on the defense here early on, just because especially these offenses that have been together a couple of years now, and the Chiefs are one of them. This is going to be like riding a bike. They're going to pick right back up. Maybe it'll be weird at first because they're coming off the Super Bowl. We saw them score 51 points last year in three quarters. So the sky's the limit with the Chiefs. All right, Packers-Vikings. Vikings minus two and a half. Playing in Minnesota, this game opened at three, which would indicate that we saw some money coming in on the Packers, which makes no sense to me because I would bet the Vikings as field goal favorites or more than field goal favorites in this spot with this team against the Packers every single time. And this, honestly, in a normal year, this is an autoplay. At home, under Zimmer, there's 70% cover rate at home. So you're looking at a team that you're getting less than a field goal, key number, at home, week one. I honestly wouldn't be against putting it in in our contest, but the only thing that gives me pause is that it's no fans. It's, they're losing, you're already losing value right there. Like this number on a neutral field, you probably would have it at a pick. I mean, this, both these teams have weaknesses. Minnesota has got rid of their entire defense. So they're not their entire, but all their cornerbacks. They have three new corners, and they're all rookies. So that's the only thing that gives me pause. You're going against Aaron Rodgers with three rookie cornerbacks. You just completely rebutted everything I said. Made me completely doubt the idea that the Vikings, who I have at 25-1 to to win the Super Bowl, and the Packers, who I have as regressing uh, aggressively off of their 13-win season, is not a game we should put in the contest. Yeah, let's, we'll hold on that one. Oh, boy. Lions and Bears, oh my, this is terrible. This is freaking terrible. And the money, like, I'm looking in the Action Network app right now, the money has been driving this number higher, right? Because it opened at Lions minus one. Now it's at minus three. Obviously, this is anti-Trubisky. Is this thinking the Lions defense has gotten better? Or is this thinking they played really well until Matthew Stafford was injured? What's driving the market here? What's driving your thinking? I think this is going to be one of those where Stafford's coming in this year and he's kind of riding high because he played – he didn't finish the last game, but I think he played a total of eight games. If you look at numbers, he was 3-4-1, but he was leading the league in yards. I think he was leading the league in touchdowns at the time he got hurt. So a lot of these people are kind of coming in with the – not googly eyes, but they're, they're forgetting that this team has a lot of holes on defense. And they have Matt Patricia, who is – I don't even think he's been 500 in his career. 
people are really back in the lines. And in my opinion, I, I'll take that three with the Bears on the road because at worst, I see it being a push. Wow. Not for our contest, though, just because that'd be such a homer pick with you. It would be a homer pick, and I normally hate to take the Bears in this spot, but if, you, if we went through this right now and you told me this is one of the five best picks, and I am completely clouded in these situations, right? Like, I look at the Bears, and I think I know more about them than anybody else, but I'm also looking at this team as a Mitch Trubisky-led team until Nick Foles comes in to save the day with a defense that could be amazing, but David Montgomery, who's been banged up, and so... I see the three, and I think, well, I can see the Bears getting blown out in this game. And that's the tough part is that we know that Mitch, he has good abilities as a QB. It's up to Matt Nagy to highlight them. Last year, he failed Trubisky not highlighting his good attributes. He's good on his feet. He's good moving out of the pocket. And the year you guys had a good run, it was because he was letting him do those things. He was letting him get outside the pocket. And supposedly Nagy saying he's going to be more open to that. He's going to have him on the move more. The way your guys' defense lines up, it's a really good matchup for you against the lines. But the problem with it is just that it's three. So we're kind of on like a, a push number. We don't want to push this competition. So let's, let's keep it going. We don't have any games that we like so far. And I, I can't imagine we're going to like Jaguars plus eight against the Colts. Now – this makes me sick to my stomach. This, like, is such a no-brainer take-the-home-dog pick. Tell me why I don't want to do it. No, I'm with you. I love the Jags. Like, I, I think it's one of those where, as a pro, like, I, was, I flew out to Vegas two weeks ago, and I was just hanging out with these guys, just talking before the season starts, and all of them are already laughing, saying that they are already on this game just because the Colts and indoor team going outside, so they're a fast team. And they're going down to Florida in the heat. And it's one of those spots where everybody, all the money, all public is going to be on the Colts. And the Jags line just keeps getting fed up here. So now it's up to plus eight when it was at plus seven. So I do love this spot, but we don't have to get ugly yet. We don't have to, we don't have to put the Jags in, but I'll put them on the side. Well, I can't think of any reason not to put them there. Like, this is how you win the contest, right? Is right. If nobody's going to want to pick nobody's going to want to pick the Jacks. And everything you just said is true, except for the fear that, like, the Jacks have basically given away their team. They have given away their team, but I think it's the same thing where the people said the same exact thing about Miami last year, and we saw how that ended. Because people understand the, the difference between these guys that are on the Jags and, say, the Colts, it's very, very minor. But that's what makes the Colts so great is that the guys are just that much better. But it's, it's one of those where – it's Philip Rivers' first game with a brand-new team going against a team that they have the same quarterback and they're running the same pretty much scheme as they did last year. So it's one of those where I, I can see why the public's going to be all over the Colts because Jags are graded out as the worst team this year. Plenty People have been betting on them going to own 16. It's so early. We don't have to be the sharpest people in the room. We don't have to take the plus eight, but it, it feels like an automatic bet for me. All right, we're putting the Jags in. Let's do it. Let's Done. do it. Dolphins plus six and a half against the Patriots. <sighs> it's like impossible to even say, right? Because, and I've seen DraftKings got it up to six and a half now, Dolphins. And that's, that's actually, people don't think six is the key number that actually is. And uh, a lot of times that number falls on six. But these missed extra points, it happens a lot. I do really love what the Dolphins have done, especially on defense. Their, their secondary is incredible. But how are we going to go against the most prepared coach in the NFL week one? It's just like, I feel like we'll take the Dolphins and then at the end of the game, they'll win the Patriots win 34 to seven. We'll be like, oh, well, probably should have saw that coming, right? 
So it's kind of tough. It's tough to take the Dolphins here. Well, it's tough to take. It's tough to take the Dolphins. And listen, last year we loved the Dolphins. Like I think oh, we yeah. both felt. I felt more like a wise guy last year on the Dolphins than I did on just about any other team because you could <laughs> see by week three that they were a team that was playing really hard and just had a talent gap. And once Fitzmagic started playing every week, you knew that like at least at the quarterback level, they were going to be serviceable and that would keep them in games. I don't want to bet against Bill Belichick, even though they've lost so many players and like any other person looks at that roster and is not impressed. I just don't want to bet against guys who have been able to figure out schemes so many times, even with a Dolphins team that I am actually really high on. I'm trying to win some money here, right? I'm not trying to like be a genius on like individual games. So this to me would not be part of a sort of perfect portfolio. All right, Simon, Eagles, six and a half point road dogs against the Washington football team. By the way, this is like exactly what we talked about during the offseason in which you've got a football team from Washington that could potentially benefit from being at home without any fans because the stadium won't be full of roadie Eagles fans. Right. A lot of people are thinking here that this kid's for real in Washington, and I, I, I am not buying it at all. I, do, I am down on the Eagles this year, and it hurts me to say as an Eagles fan. But like we talked about months ago, even before the injuries even happened, they're an aged team. So that my mentality was they're not going to go unscathed, and they've already been hitting two major spots, the Eagles. And I know Washington has a great pass rush. But to think that Haskins can keep up with Wentz in this game, it's, it's really – it's not likely. And the number's sitting at six, a good number to take the Eagles at. But I'll just hold off on it with you just because I don't like the Eagles' O-line matched up against Washington's D-line. I would never, ever say Haskins can't match up with Wentz Wentz, to me, I'd say over the last season and a half when he's been healthy, is not the same quarterback he was before he injured his knee that first time. Like, he's not as dynamic. He was one of those guys where if it was a third and whatever, you were all of a sudden worried about could he convert it if you were betting against him. I don't get that sort of feeling of invincibility anymore. Well, let me hit you with a little number. Carson Wentz is the only player in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards, and I have a receiver over 500 yards. He's one of these guys that he can make the guys around him better, and he carried that team last year to win that division. But I'm with you. He, people are down on him because he hasn't had the numbers they did have that year. There's just been a lot of drama behind the scenes. You have teammates coming out against him saying he's selfish and that they don't really like playing with him and things like that. I think it is a, a prove-it-to-me year for him that he, if he can take this team and somehow win this division when everyone's really being all in on the Cowboys, I think that would be a big statement for Carson this year. Do you have any faith in the Eagles that they could win that division? Like, my numbers say no chance. They might, like, if, you, if you're into numbers and you just put it on paper, the Cowboys, everything pops out. Cowboys' biggest weakness is their secondary, but everything else on that team is just really, really fine-tuned. And the Eagles already have so many holes along the offensive line. They got a banged-up wide receiving core. They don't have good linebackers. And if one of their cornerbacks goes down, their season's pretty much done. They only have two good corners. So for the season-long bet, I'm, I'm in on Dallas. But in, like, these kind of games early on here where the Eagles are still pretty healthy, I would take the Eagles in this line. So should we make the Eagles one of our picks right now? No, because there's other favorites I like better. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that is foreshadowing. I like that. Is it the Ravens minus 7.5 or minus 8 against uh, the Browns? 
I love it. What's wrong with me, Chad? Why do I love this number so much? Do you seriously? I do. It's just like it, I, in my system, I got this at 10 and a half. And it's just like, come on. Is, it, is there Browns hype again? Who, who Who's believing in the Browns again? When we're going against Hardball, who's just running a top-notch franchise over there. I mean, every year the Ravens, even when Flacco wasn't good, they were still competitive in most of those games. And then last year when they had a good quarterback, they just destroyed everyone. Opening week, Ravens want to make a statement. Lamar's heard everything this whole offseason. Now he's a truck artist. I like this Ravens favorite here. You're not buying like Baker sort of having an improved offense. You're not buying anything about their defense being better, like being more organized. You just said you're not a Stefanski. Like this is a statement to me. This is a statement game for the Browns. Like I'm buying it. Like I like the direction they're going. Their biggest weakness last year is O-line and they've made signings to correct that. And I know they have improved their defense. But it's one of those where this is a rookie head coach going against a very, very, very smart and savvy established head coach. From everything I read, everyone on the Ravens is good to go. I know they lost um, an offensive lineman. That's a big deal. But I just like them opening day. If you, if you go through the history, the Ravens really perform well week one at home. Well, look, last year they were a juggernaut from the second the game started, right? And so that was what put them on the path to being – one of the best teams in the AFC, to Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. Essentially, what you're saying to me with this number, as big as it is, is that you see the Browns basically performing like the Dolphins in week one. It's not even that. The Browns, it's another year they're coming in hyped up, and who knows what Baker's mindset is. I know he's saying that he's going to be more focused this year and everything like that, but who would you rather back, Baker Mayfield or Lamar? In this kind of spot, it's just an easy, easy choice for me where – this this line's been bet down. It should have been. It should be at ten, and it's 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 now sitting at eight minus eight. So I like the value on that line, dude. I love taking big favorites. Like it's my blind spot. Honestly, I will always like look at a number like that and think I can't take it. It's too big, and I'm afraid of it. And it feels like a sucker's bet. And yet here you are, a professional who does this for a living, coming in and telling me you're okay with this number because you've got a formula that has it at an even higher number. And you've done this in the past. Like, I remember you did this with Kansas City, like, in the playoffs last year. I love it. Like, the people always joke about sharps just always take dogs. I think one of the hardest parts of being a sharp is trying to convince people about taking the favorites because you always feel more comfortable having the dog. It's nice to know when we start the game, if we had the Browns, we'd be up eight points. It's one of those you have to pick and choose these spots of these favorites. And when I see value in the line, that's, that's when I really go after it. And that's where I'm seeing with the Ravens. All right. We got the Jets visiting the Bills, plus six and a half. I have so many differing opinions on this Jets team, and I feel like you're one of the guys who actually was higher on the Jets than most. Am I misremembering that? You were remembering it right, but that was before they pretty much got rid of their two, two best players. So we had done that before they got rid of Adams. And they, yeah. So, yeah. So now you're off. I, I'm off them in the sense that I, I think Joe Douglas is trying to prep for the future now, their GM. I believe in Sam Darnold, and a lot of people have kind of given up on him. They're, they're thinking they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence and things like that, but I still think the weapons he has around him, he's going to be stealing a couple of games here. And, like, this opening game, the Bills and the Jets, they always play each other really tough, especially early in the year. Even one of them's terrible, the other one's good. They usually play each other really tough. The no fans for the Bills is kind of making me lean the Jets because Bills Mafia, everyone knows, they have one of the best fan bases in the world. So it's one of these spots here where I would – I'm going Jets, and – not many people are going to be riding with me. Well, you're going Jets plus six and a half on DraftKings right now. Is it a you're going Jets 
I put them in with the Jags and the Ravens as part of my portfolio for five. No, no. I'm just telling the betters out there. No, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the Jets in the spot, but not enough, not for our contest. That's too, that's, too sharp. That's what we are giving people. Not just picks for a contest, but picks for every single game on the board. Raiders minus three and a half against the Panthers. This feels pretty freaking lopsided. Yeah, it feels like a trap because I know they're, yeah. they're, they're sucking me in on the Panthers because in my mind, all Teddy Bridgewater does is cover. Right. And three and a half against Derek Carr, a guy we saw on fourth down throw the ball out of bounds. Like, <laughs> just Derek Carr has become a kind of joke as of late. And you have them traveling across country to come play the Panthers. I like this Panthers number, but it, it makes me worry because it does feel like a trap, them giving us this three and a half at DraftKings. Right. So what do we do about that? Like, you're a professional – you see a trap number. What do you have it power rated at? Well, for week one, I would take this. I had this at a plus, plus one for the Panthers. I pretty much had it at pick. I just moved the plus one with the no fans for the Panthers. But I'm going to bet that number. Especially, like, all these other websites are showing three. DraftKings and BetMGM are the only ones showing three and a half. So that's a good number right now. You're going to bet it, but you're not going to put it in the pick'em contest. We can put it on the side because that, if it stays at three and a half, that's, like, really, really enticing. Just, just knowing that we have that coverage, especially with Teddy Bridgewater, I, I, I do like that number. Right, just so people know, like, picks in this contest lock at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. So, like, the lines move around. The names and numbers that we are choosing right now are based on where they are at on a Tuesday afternoon. But as it gets closer, and we'll update, like, Simon's got a Twitter handle, at SimonHunterTan. He'll update throughout the day, uh, throughout the week, and then on Sunday morning where we land. And I'll be writing about this on actionnetwork.com so you can keep track of what we're doing. Seahawks minus one and a half, traveling to Atlanta plus one and a half. This is one of these games where a lot of the Seahawks' strengths is what Atlanta's weakness is. They have a great secondary, the Seahawks. The strongest part of the Falcons is obviously the wide receivers. This number has been bouncing around a little bit. It was at one and went up to one and a half. Now it's up to two at some books. I do get why people are going to take the Falcons here. It's a short home dog. And people have high hopes for the Falcons. And you got the Seahawks traveling across country during all that's going on. They supposedly, I saw an article, Pete Carroll doesn't even know their travel plans yet. He's still up in the air about what they're going to exactly be doing for this, for going to Atlanta. But I like the Seahawks. It's just all their, everything that you could get away with beating the Seahawks with, Atlanta doesn't do good. And I'm, I'm going to back, I'm going to back the Seattle Seahawks here. But dude, it goes against every wise guy principle you do not bet a short road favorite winning on the road is so freaking hard what uh, obviously the, you like the matchup what are you power rating this at so i had this at seahawks minus three and it has moved up a little bit so it's getting closer to that number but you do have to break the rule sometimes when there's different tendencies of these teams because you can't just always go by the book. Like there's plenty of times last year where I broke rules on this show and it actually worked out for us. But this one is just tricky. Like that's we can stay away from it if it makes you nervous, but it doesn't really phase me that's a cross country flight for the Seahawks because it's their first game of the year. They haven't done any preseason either. So it's like their bodies are rested. They should be ready for this. I you know what? I don't ever buy that cross-country flight theory i actually think it's like it's not something that impacts betting i am just sort of i'm not a fan of betting road favorites now if you're telling me like part of this is for me to learn new habits and not be sort of adhering to old axioms that may or may not be working and looking at the real numbers if you're telling me like 
of the 16, 15 games being played on Sunday, or uh, 14 and, and Monday, this, along with the Jags and the Ravens, is one of your best picks, then we go with it. This is not one of my best picks. Okay. Then we walk away. We walk away. Tell me the Chargers minus three and a half is not one of your best picks against the Bengals. Uh, I actually do love the Bengals here. I was hoping it was going to be – they're going to start the rookie for the Chargers. But Taylor, he, he's, he's a good quarterback. He's safe. He's, he's a solid player. But I don't think this line's taken into account how much Darwin James is worth to the Chargers defense. He's arguably a top three safety in this league. And they don't have the cornerbacks that can really keep up with this Bengals receiving core. So people are going to be off because they're going to think Bengals first game jitters for Joe Burrow. But there's going to be no fans there. It's going to be like a scrimmage for him. So I do like this number with the Bengals at home opening week. But we hate the Bengals for like their total. Their total is five and a half for season wins. We hate the Bengals. That's mainly just because of their division. I just think the Browns have improved so much. The Pittsburgh has really improved. And we all know how good the Ravens are. So that's why I'm so down on them, just because I don't think they're going to be able to get a, steal a lot of games in their division. This is outside of their division. I think they, can, they match up well against the Chargers. Uh, dude, we're heading into, like, the final stretch of games here. And so far, the only games that we love are the Jags plus eight and the Ravens mm-hmm. minus eight at home against the Browns. So – I'm assuming we've got three games that we love from this last little section. So let's get into all of the, the rest of the late games. The Chargers Bengals is one of them. We're going to avoid that. The rest of the late games, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady in his first game at New Orleans as a three and a half point road dog. Everybody's going to be on this plus three with the Buccaneers. And I think that is the side you would have to take just from our history with the Saints. We've seen so many times I'm coming out slow to start the season. So if you wanted to, if you were about the Bucks, I would take that three and a half. But me personally, I'm going to probably be betting the Saints just because everyone's going to be on the Bucks. This is one of those where the house is going to really need the Saints. I treat like my betting myself a lot different than usually the competition. The competition, this is I completely understand why you'd want to take the three and a half of the Buccaneers because this is a good spot for the Bucs, especially Tom Brady's first game. It's just like this guy is ready to prove it to everyone this season. And this number, I think I got it at, I think the Bucs were four or four and a half at one point. Now it's down to three and a half. So that's what's making me nervous is we're not getting the best of the number for the Bucs. And now we're getting to a point where the Saints are going to become the value. We're not even getting close to the best of the number. Like it's very possible by Sunday when it's time to lock these picks, if the Saints are minus three, that feels like a no-brainer. Right. That's how I feel, too. All right. 49ers uh, hosting the Cardinals. Uh, the 49ers are seven-point favorites against the Cardinals. I mean, I loved it when it was seven and a half. I still like it because I got this game at four and a half for uh, San Fran. So I have them minus four and a half. But it's tough because we're on a key number now. We're down to seven. So that we're risking the push option, but I still love the Cardinals here. The the 49ers are coming and banged up. They have one healthy cornerback who's Richard Sherman. He's old. They have one healthy receiver who's not even that good. I think it's Pettis. So it's, it's, it's one of these spots where I like this early value here on the Cardinals. Yeah, it feels like one of these games where you're automatically getting sort of the extra padding on the Niners because they went to the Super Bowl last year. Right. And the Cardinals are not going to be a team that the public thinks about as, oh, they got Kyler Murray. Oh, they got DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, their defense continues to improve. They're going to be the team traveling to play the 49ers. People look at the matchups and you're thinking to yourself, well, the 49ers still have one of the best D-lines in football, and they're going against Cardinals team who have 
a couple of rookies on their offensive line, and they they struggled last year with pass blocking. There could be value on the 49ers, but I just think the number is still high enough where we're getting really good value on the Cardinals at seven. So are we putting the Cardinals in our in our batch of five? I'd put them in. All right. They're in. Cards plus seven. Rams plus three at home Sunday night against the Cowboys. I know you're going to hate me for it. I love the Rams here. It's, it's such a good number. I know all the hype's coming in on the Cowboys with their offense and everything like that, but this is just a really good matchup for what the Rams do well. They're really good at speedy receivers, and the Cowboys just – I don't know how they're going to keep up. I know people think they're going to keep up with their offense, but last year on the road, the Cowboys were not good. They, they really struggled, and they have a new head coach. I know he's a veteran head coach, but it's his first game, and the Rams, I really do like them. Not having a great bounce back here, but I think they're going to be better than they were last year, and they'll make the playoffs this season. Listen, I don't hate that pick at all. I actually feel like it's probably the right side. This should be pick, if anything. Right. How are you, like, how are you power rating this? I got the Rams minus one. Yeah, that's. I mean, honestly, I, I was going to say it, but didn't want to because I didn't want to be embarrassed. Like, I don't know. I don't know why the Rams. <laughs> I get it. I get why people are down the Rams because what we saw last year and everything like that. But I think they're forgetting how good of a head coach Sean McVay is and how good of an offensive mind he is. So exactly. I'm excited for the Rams. You know, Hard Knocks, no one's been watching Hard Knocks this summer, no. which is too bad because it's, it's really good. And you can't watch it and not love Sean McVay. Like, he's all enthusiasm. He loves football. He seems like a fun guy to hang out with. Like, it's going to be hard to beat that team. It's going to be hard to beat that team on a regular basis in a very sort of uncomfortable situation where he's constantly confronting the truth. I feel like he's just sort of recognizing it. And McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, the new coach of the Cowboys, he is not a guy known for confronting the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And so I, li- I like this pick a lot, actually. Let's put it in, baby. We're in. We got Jags plus eight. We got Ravens minus eight. We got Cardinals plus seven. We got Rams at home plus three. We know it's coming down to two more games. We got Steelers, Giants. We got Titans, Broncos. And we've got to choose one of those games for the five. Steelers minus five and a half on the road against the Giants. Titans pick against the Broncos. Let's couple them because we got to make a choice from one of these. People already know how much I'm all in on the Pittsburgh this upcoming year. I just think there's a lot of value on if Roethlisberger can stay healthy with that team, the pieces around them, and the defense they have. I already bet this number a decent amount of times because it was at three, it went to three and a half, and now it's shut up to six minus, and now it's on DraftKings at minus five and a half. So it's been bet down a little, but I graded this out at seven. So I still think we're getting really good value here on the Steelers. And people are going to go off a lot of the numbers where Tomlin's not great, Week one, I think he's five and eight uh, against the spread. But I do love this position here where the Steelers, I just think they're going to come out and showcase what they have. And the Giants, they're just still so weak at a lot of positions on defense. And, and I don't know if Daniel Jones can overcome a Steelers defense. So do we not even discuss Titans Broncos at pick? We love the Steelers even at minus five and a half. A five and a half road favorite. I, I do love the Broncos at home in September. It's like a known thing. You just take the Broncos money line in the first month of the season whenever they play at home. But I feel safer taking the Steelers here because the Titans, they might be for real. I mean, what they did last year, that might be what they really are to finish the season. So I would stay away from that Broncos one for this competition. I would take the Steelers. All right, here's what I love about this, Simon. We have gone through every single game. We've gone through every single game. Not only have we chosen five, which I'm going to go through in a second – We've also identified, hold on, I'm going to count this, nine games 
where you feel really good about it. Nine games. Let me repeat them. They are the Jets at plus six and a half. The Panthers, I forgot what they're at, maybe plus three and a half. Three and a half. Yep. Bengals plus three and a half. The Seahawks minus one and a half. Uh, I think you liked the Bears at, at, minus, at plus three on the road. You like the Saints if it gets to minus three as it continues to go down against the Bucks. Cards at plus seven, which we're putting in our mix. The Rams at plus three. The Steelers, you like them all the way to minus seven. Not alone in that one, my friend. I like Chris Raybon, my Action Network colleague, host of the Action Network podcast, loves the Steelers and has been pounding the Steelers. <laughs> I hope we're both right because I'm all, I'm all in on them. Like, I do a lot of futures most years. And this year, I, I probably have only done one-fourth of the usual amount of money I usually do on the futures. But I would say 50% of it involves something with the Steelers. I'm just – I'm really banking on a big season here from Big Ben. All right, these are our final five picks as of right now. Keep track at Simon Hunter 10. Keep track in what I write about in actionnetwork.com. We'll be updating it. But as of right now, picks lock on Sunday. We're starting here. This is our perfect portfolio as of right now to win $1 million. Jacks plus eight against the Colts. Ravens. Ravens minus eight against the Baker Mayfield Browns. We got the Cards plus seven. On the road against the 49ers. We got the Rams plus three at home against the Cowboys. And we got the Steelers minus five and a half. We like them up to minus seven on the road against the Giants. Yep. So we gave your loyal fans a couple of primetime games. So I'm pretty excited. Dude, I love the mix here. I love that we're taking some, some road favorites. I love that we're taking some home dogs. Personally, you're just breaking me out of bad habits, right? Like this is what I love about <laughs> Honestly, this is what I loved about it last year. Like the reason why we came so close to cashing last year is because I would look at a board and immediately eliminate half the games because I didn't like a big favorite or like I didn't like someone in this situation. And I, I like was letting the rules dictate my decision instead of letting them sort of be a guide, but not necessarily be the final arbiter. Whereas now you are the final arbiter. <laughs> right. And what, like what I, what I always tell you is that what I'm doing here is I'm just trying to take it from a viewpoint of all these lines we're doing, these other people are taking these same lines. So early on here, we can take these easy games. Like a lot of these people are going to take, like, sure. A lot of other people might be taking Cleveland. And that's why we want to go on the Ravens side is that every week we can get a little advantage here and go two to one to these other people. That's going to get us closer to the money. And for the competition we're doing this year, it's the only the top 50 that get paid out. So that's why we really have to take a lot of risk like each week that we're like we're doing now to just get, get an edge on these people early on. Risk management. That's what it's all about, brother. Simon Hunter, first week on the pod for 2020. Thanks for joining. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. All right, coming up next, we are going to announce the winner of our phrase that pays from last week. Who is going to win an Action Network hoodie? Plus, don't forget, use the phrase Simon Says in our reviews. Go rate and review the podcast. Use the phrase Simon Says. The winner, randomly chosen by me and producer Matt Mitchell, the one who tickles us the most, will get a free Action Network hoodie. But the winner for this week's Action Network hoodie is Tone Lantern. Tone Lantern is the winner of this week's Action Network hoodie. And here's what we loved about his review. Here's what producer Matt Mitchell and I loved about his review, is that he is a multitasker. The dynamic duo of Ray Bond with a D and Stucky deliver a great podcast. 
Sorry if I spelled the names wrong. I wrote this while doing leg lifts. The guy is getting smarter and getting stronger at the same time. That is why we love Tone Lantern, and that is why he is the proud owner of a new Action Network hoodie. Don't skip the podcast. Don't skip leg day. This has been the favorites from the Action Network. Download it from iTunes, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I am Chad Nolan for Simon Hunter. Until next week, when you get your five favorite picks. Love you.